You have got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck, finding a publisher, and more. Remember, it's discord.gg slash business. Yay! Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Indie Game Business. Very special guest today. We have Guy Blumberg, who has, you know, revolutionized the networking in the industry through his gig um which you know i'll admit i was skeptical at first but i do i do love it now the um it is but before we, we get into all that so we're going to talk about you know networking and what he's been doing with the gig of what it is and where it's going and all that kind of cool shit but let's start where we always start Tell us how you got in the industry because you've already teased that that's an interesting story. Uh, and then walk us through your career. Tell us what, tell us how you got here. Yeah, sure, man. Hey, hey, doing good to see you. And thanks for having me on, man. Um, uh, revolutionized. I like, I like this as a, as a word. So, uh, uh, I, I got into the, yeah, let's go back to the beginning. I got into the games industry and I guess this was the, the fun, uh, you know, uh, kind of capture social media post I just made, uh, from the porn industry. So I I was young, I needed the money. You know, there was this the, the opportunities that exist out there are, are very few for someone with not a lot of talent or experience. But uh, no, I actually was a uh, graphic designer, uh, self-taught, and I made websites and uh, got into like flash animation and things like this way back in the day. Uh, and the only credible industry job that I could get as a graphic designer very early on, uh, when I was like uh, 19, 19 years old, was uh, was in an adult company. And actually, at this particular point in time, this was back in Australia, the adult industry was an absolute massive industry back in Australia. Like people didn't really talk about it, but I think the stat was a quarter of the world's adult websites were actually owned and operated by companies based in Australia. So there's a little known fact about the down under wow. country. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so... With within there though, like it was it was great. And to be fair, let's be clear, I wasn't working in porn. <laughs> I was I was designing uh the websites, which which is not exactly something necessarily to be proud of if you looked at a lot of those websites, but it was professional experience. It was more like working in an IT, you know, company with a bunch of other geeks and stuff like that. You're so. working on retention. That's the thing. So yeah, yeah, it was very, it was very much about those uh, those three tour pages and a free trial. You know, trying to actually entice. Actually, you know what? It was fascinating because the the psychology behind it that they employed within it was was really interesting. Like, where does the eye go? Like, you always want to make sure that your next button or join now button is in the bottom right hand corner. Like, we're at the forefront of heat mapping technology in terms of where the eyes actually look and how it reads in different countries. Like, if you take the the porn component out of it and just look at tech, and this has always kind of been the way, the adult industry is usually at the forefront of technology. And I got hired because of my experience and knowledge with uh, vector animation, uh, flash animation, and that was like Flash 1.0. This was like, you know, they they were looking for new, different, interesting ways to to deliver naked people doing naked things together in a digital format. 
so so once you moved over to the less sketchy world of, of video games, <laughs> yeah. um, you, so, so, what did you do then? Sorry, I should I should probably yeah clarify exactly how I made that jump. I don't want to be you know suggesting, hey everyone, you want to get in the games? Well, here's a career path for you. <laughs> um, no, I the the people I worked with were other geeks and tech people, and one of them was a, a good friend of mine, a. Uh, a PHP programmer uh, by the name of Matt Burgess, and uh, we just got along really well. And we were frustrated in Australia, as I'm sure a lot of people in other, uh, you know, non North American countries were back then as well. By the lack of uh, representation, means something a little bit different now. But back then, there was really no gaming websites or news sites or review sites that were tailored towards the Australian market. You know, a lot of games didn't come out until months after they came out in America or they were censored in different ways. And it just, you, you didn't have that Australian voice. So we started a website uh, called australiangamer.com and it was kind of modeled off a combination of Penny Arcade where we had like, you know, regular web comics that were going up. I was the designer and did cartoons and your traditional like IGNs and game spots and stuff of like that with reviews. And uh, it it became incredibly successful in the market. We we uh, back then, I guess the the numbers were impressive. We would get you know close to half a million uniques uh, every month. We we had no idea. We had no we had no business sense whatsoever. We just thought this was a fun thing to do. Um, but that got me the attention and the connections with publishers that wanted to send us games to review with other journalists that you know didn't thought we weren't real journalists and were pissed off with us and and everyone else in the games industry and all the developers and studios that wanted that promotion through a traditional uh website but had never had anyone in the australian market to really talk for them so uh that's how i got into the games industry through the porn industry all right so that's it it's interesting that you mentioned the whole you know journalists looked at game journalists going, you're not real journalists. And then fast forward about 15 years and game journalists looking at YouTubers going, you're not real journalists. You're, you know, it's the, the new guy is never the winner. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, there's always the different mediums as well. Yeah. Back then, like game critics, game journalists was very serious. We would call ourselves blurnalists because we felt we we're a combination of bloggers and journalists, never serious enough to consider ourselves journalists. But always a little bit of a step above above bloggers because we felt a lot of the content we were doing wasn't just a personal recounting of, of things, and we were a collection of of people doing reviews and whatnot. But yeah, you, you you look at the the ebbs and flows of the industry, and I think the rise of the personality based presenters, and you had that within gaming journalists, but a lot of those people have actually gone on to become YouTubers or content creators in their own right. But uh, yeah, it's. This is an industry that's ever evolving, you know. I no part of it is immune to uh, to new technology, which makes the previous technology obsolete. Not just in game dev, but Christ, I thought events were like pretty solid until twenty twenty, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, how did that work out? So, I mean, that's a that's actually a, a really good segue because you come from traditional events. That's what you were doing before, you know. COVID, which yeah. was, how has that, so t tell us what you were doing with, with, with PAX for one, to, to lay that ground base, but then what happened? How, yeah. walk us through that transition between that and now. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Usually the behind the scenes of how uh, events are done from small B2B to, 
massive consumer-based events is kind of a little bit hidden. Like it's, we always were very much, you don't want to see how the sausage factory is made, you know, like the behind the scenes of these, these events. But recently it's been much more transparent because everyone's kind of been very obviously like, yeah, we can't run this event. So we have to try and figure out, you know, what else we can do. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on the size and scale of the organization, you know, for your large uh, massive corporate uh, companies that have multiple big scale events, like it's the process is much different. You've got, you know, multi-million dollar contracts with venues that need to be sorted out. You've got, you know, agreements in place with publishers or sponsors. Like there's a lot of moving parts and to actually, whereas a, a smaller B2B event in, you know, uh, uh, some a U- European country of some sort will be like, oh yeah, okay, you know what, let's give digital a try. That'll be great. Like it's it's easier for them to transition. So, you know, it's it's very much about the, the risk side of things. So, yeah, with PAX, like some of the smartest people in the world that that work on that on that show, you know, and have actually built that into the you know the largest gaming event in North America and Australia. Like that's they do what they do so well. The challenge was figuring out how to still bring that very unique PAX vibe and spirit to an authentic uh, digital platform. And uh, I was still there when we did a bunch of that. Uh, last year with the PAX Online EGX collaboration. And it was all a te- it's all a test, right? Like running it for 10 days, for 24 hours a day. Like, is this going to work? What does what does the PAX audience want? What, do, what benefits the publishers and whatnot? It was just, it's a million miles an hour and trying to figure out what works best is, uh, you know, kind of sometimes throwing darts at a, at a dartboard to see what sticks. But uh, you got to try something, right? I, that, that's how this show got started and our events got started. I was like, no one else is doing this, so why don't we try it? And like, yeah. like I said before, we got to spend a lot of 2020 looking at you know the traditional events and them not doing it right and going, yeah, we figured that out last year. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, I love what you've done, so the, and the path that you've taken, and then the path that I've taken, and the path that. I think the best events are the ones that actually grow organically. Like it's really, it's quite bold and quite difficult to come into a market and go this market and go, this is what we are going to do. It's going to be huge. So I think as opposed to uh, what you've done uh, and what I did with gig is we grew it out of what we saw as a need and, mm-hmm. uh, and a market that wasn't being uh, catered to, or that we thought, you know, we, we, we I would if I would if I was to do it, I would do it this way. And then you've actually got the the resources, the knowledge and the know-how and also the entrepreneurial spirit to actually just do it. You know, and if it doesn't work, well, you know what? That was a bit of fun. You know, there's not much risk involved in it. But then you find it does work and you're always surprised looking back and going, Oh shit, this this is this is a thing now. How did that yes. happen? That's uh, that's so, it. So yeah. Yeah, and, and, but trust me, that dartboard is still very much used. I mean, there's, I mean, if, if we sit back and look at the stuff that we've done, even with my consulting firm over the last 10 years, and it's like stuff we're not ever doing. And, and now we've discovered, you know, I wouldn't say accidentally, we got called up by a company and they said, I've known them for years. And they said, Hey, we need you to do this. And I'm like, we've never done that, but we can. And it's been yeah. wildly successful. And now it is, you know, a big part of what we do. No, I can't really go into detail, but sure you, know, you can sure without you can. completely <laughs> outing, you know, exactly what it was, but it, it, that's it. That's, that's entrepreneurship in this industry. It's like, you can't sit down and go, okay, it's 2016 and we're going to make hyper casual games for the next 15 years. That doesn't happen. 
you know, you, no. you, these things die out, they change. So for those of you who don't know what the gig is, I'll give you my take on it. So oh, when okay, we started, yeah. when we started doing, you know, the, the IGB conferences, the criticism that we got, it's like, yes, this is very easy to match up to. You don't have to know anybody going in. The profile on meet to match tells you who they are, what they're looking for. You request a meeting, blah, blah, blah. That's done. And they're like, well, there's no networking. We want to, we want to replicate that experience in the Marriott lobby in, in San Francisco. And I'm like, tough. There's, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That's not going to happen. This is a meeting conference. Just shut the up and go do whatever. And so then I see there's this, there's this guy on zoom and they're doing zoom meetings that are like kind of chat roulette. And I'm like, that sounds stupid as shit. I do not <laughs> want to sit down and randomly get stuck in a room with other people and no, that that's not it. And then you reached out and you're like, hey, come here and just try this out. And I did it, you know, one Friday afternoon. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. You know, because it, we're not going to recreate that whole experience of just like wandering through the hotel lobby and seeing five or six different people that we know and all that kind of good stuff. But I shit you not, you've done the best job so far. So what happens is, you know, because gig is like got a velvet rope now and you have to apply to, to get in the, uh, or you slide the bounce for 20 bucks either way, you know, whatever the, what guy does is, is you start out and correct me if I'm wrong, you start out in a big zoom room. You're, you're welcomed by the host, whoever the host is. And that's generally because all the rest of the people are in, you know, their other rooms. And then when everybody comes back together, you get dumped into a giant zoom, like 50 or hundred people. And you chit chat and you talk for like five or 10 minutes. And then everybody gets kicked randomly to a six, it's a six person room, right? Or yeah. Two, five, five to six people. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. And you just chat and I'll let you take it because it, it is, I love it. I mean, so go ahead. Tell us. I love, no, I love it. You nailed it. Yeah. So where did the idea, what made you sit down one day and go, I need to upgrade my zoom account and invite random people. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure you're 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 the same as me, and so many other folks are. You know, when we used to go to uh, gaming events and stuff like that, like uh, a lot of the 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 business that you do is is uh, not at the event itself. How many people like go to GDC, but they don't actually get a ticket to GDC? They just do the meet to matches or the hotels around it, right? Like that's where so much of of the business is made, but it's also where so much of the random connections. Like that's that is probably one of my favorite parts of conventions that i've been to or run basically and you know when the pandemic hit it's like you, you don't have that you don't have that outlet to meet new people like how do you meet new people in the games industry um so i started a, a zoom call i'm like hey you know what we should, let's just uh let's all get together regularly every friday you know and do a zoom call uh so i started with a couple of friends and immediately you learn that uh, a zoom call does not work with more than about five or six people because one person asks a question and then three people try and answer or they talk over each other and it's just, it's a mess, right? So, so it, it again, evolved uh, organically. It's like, okay, well, let's send people to these breakout rooms. This is what like Zoom classrooms kind of are. Let's, let's send people to those in like groups of 10 or so and they can chat and then we can bring them back. So we did that. And then it was like, oh, 10's too many, maybe bring it down to like five or six and half an hour is too long, 10 minutes is too short. 
for people to do introductions to each other. What about 20 minutes? That's good. Uh, because what you don't want to be is in a giant Zoom room with 100 people all talking over each other. That That's not networking. That's literally walking into a bar and standing there and not talking to each other and just hearing people yell at you, right? Um, but, Which uh, is the authentic networking <laughs> experience. It is kind of like walking in. Yeah, and then like seeing someone or whatnot. But yeah, this this idea of randomizing uh, you know, each each 20 minutes, sending people to these breakout rooms and randomizing it seemed to work really well. Initially, I was like, okay, you know, we're going to need to prompt people to have conversations. Maybe when we send them to breakout rooms, we need to have like a, okay, and your topic for this 20 minutes is, uh, you know, uh, what's the worst pitch you've ever seen? Or your topic for this 20 minutes is, what's the best game you've played in the last 10, 10 years or something? Like, I thought we'd need to like prompt conversations. But the thing is, and the kind of key secret is, if you vet a group of industry folks if you vet a group of people any group of people if you narrow it down so they 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 have a shared interest or common goals or common topics that they can talk about or common news from the week then 20 minutes you introduce yourselves it's like oh man do you you work in publishing do you know this this and oh you i've met you before yeah we met at gdc last year like the conversation just flows it's not for everyone don't get me wrong. Like, there's plenty of devs and introverted folks that are like, "This is not for me," and that's fine. Neither is a bar at a, at a at an event, you know. So it was born out of this need and desire to network, and it will never replace the same feeling of going into a bar. But uh, it's it's gotten, I think, as close as we possibly can during this pandemic and time of social distancing. Um, uh, the other thing I'll, I'll say is that initially, when I started this. I always assumed it was going to be a temporary thing. Like this would be something that happens. And then, you know what? When we all get the vaccine and we, events happen again, we're all good. We can all get back together. Uh, but a weird thing started to happen with this. And that was that uh, I started to uh, associate with a bunch of other uh, smarter people than me in, in, in amazing groups like Latinx in gaming or Black in gaming or gay gaming professionals, just the, basically people whose opinions I trust. I'm a straight white male middle-aged dude living in america man like i am i am not the best you know uh a judge of yes. <laughs> like you know how to make people feel comfortable and i always go to bars and in events and i'm like i feel great i love this but there are so many people obviously <laughs> as we found out over the last couple of years too that are like that is not a safe place for me i do not feel safe there there's been a lot of issues in in those kind of environments and you manage to mitigate almost all of them uh with this digital space for because People can leave anytime. They they're not getting their drink spiked or anything like that. They're they're uh, you know they're they're among uh, friends and peers, and it's a vetted industry list where if someone is a, a shithead, then they get removed mm -hmm. from this pool. And I think that I don't know what the future will be, but I think there's a place for this this type of interaction in collaboration, maybe with it. I, I actually have no idea. All all I know is that in my head, this has proved to be more valuable than I expected. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. It never, this never would have been a thing if there was a, if there was no pandemic. We, we all would have probably been like, how do we make these socializing networking spaces better around gaming conventions and things like this? And we all would have been racking our brains. And this has been a really eye opening experience. So I'm rambling now, but yeah, no, sorry. No, it's good. So, I mean, you're sitting and, and you mentioned that it may not be the best for introverts, but I've been, obviously the people listening to the podcast can't see the shit that I'm putting on the screen, but <laughs> um, the, 
you know, we, we had so squid in the box as, as a person with extreme social anxiety gig is a way is way better than, you know, physical events. And Team Toadhouse said it's introvert friendly, too, because after 20 minutes, you're forced to move around the room instead of getting caught in a corner in real life. And, and then there's the safety aspect. I mean, if someone puts something in your drink at a gig event, it was you. That was the you need to stop drinking dropping <laughs> Altoids in your beer again. Um, it it is safer, and you know it's so we had Nika, and Nika's one of your your frequent hosts. We had Nika on the show a couple of weeks ago, and she said it's been nice because for the last year I haven't had to give my this is how you stay safe as a woman lecture before all these different conferences. Right. Uh, and it is a good, you know, there is that, that benefit of, yeah, somebody's an asshole, you kick them out. It's very yeah. simple. Um, but it, it's, you, you've done a good thing. It, I, that's the, that, that's the big part. It, it, it feels that way. And again, I got to give credit to like the other people that, that gave me direction that helped with the wording and the, the, the phrasing of, of the content and the policies. And even folks that didn't end up partnering with us, uh, Pixels, uh, the group up in Montreal actually gave me a lot of great feedback on, you know, the, the policies and stuff, but they, they didn't want to completely, you know, promote the, the project. They were like, this is still outside of our wheelhouse. I'm like, that's great. There were a lot of people like that that just wanted something like this to work, but they were still kind of skeptical and that's fair enough. But uh, the, the, I think the interesting thing is uh, not just people feeling safe or feeling comfortable with the fact they can leave or like it's, it's a much, it's a, a less intimidating environment than a real place, but uh, trying to curate the diversity of the membership uh, of the people that join to try and make it so not every room is just filled with, White you know, dudes. five or six, yes, straight male white dudes. Like, you know, it's, oh. I, I, I would never consider that, that that's not a threatening space to me at all. But for a lot of, you know, folks, they go into a room like that. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Typical, you know, but, mm -hmm. but by trying to uh, control the diversity and to be honest, you just control the diversity by actually just having a wait list of white dudes. I'm sorry. That's, that is, that's, that's no, just... it, it's the same thing that we, you know, I do the very same thing with our speakers and I'm like literally in the middle of setting up speakers for, you know, the event in the next that's coming in. Of course. Yeah. It out like, Oh, your event's 18 days away. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Keep about reminding that. me. Yeah. Tell me yes. about that every day. Do I don't you? Yeah. Is, I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I, do really try. We don't always equal get full parity, but you know, I always try to have equal male female representation. You know, the Latin community, the, the gay community, the the BIPOCs. It's it's hard, not because of a lack of effort, but because most of the submissions that we get on our site for speaking are white dudes. We uh, <laughs> I turned a away a very very large company at our last uh, event because they tried to force feed me a speaker. And normally this is one of those companies that if they say we, we have a speaker, you're like, okay, yes, because I want your logo on the event. Yeah. They sent me the speaker. I was a white guy. And I'm like, look, I am up to my neck in white dudes right now. <laughs> it's like, I need, I said, you bring me a woman Somebody who is unrepresented in the industry gets some different voices, gets some different diversity in here. And I said, you're in. And they went back and they kept that guy in. And they're like, but we have this other person. And it was a, you know, a, a young woman, person of color. And she had been in the industry for like a year. And I'm like, you literally just put her in there. So I would take it. So I said, she can speak, but I don't want the other guy. And <laughs> it's, they, they, I think. 
they I backed think, out. <laughs> but, no, but I think I think that's great. Nothing changes if nothing changes, and it's it's uh, people that are in positions of authority uh, that that have the ability to affect change. Uh, that like, and I, I consider I'm I'm in that position with the gig. You're in this position, sort of thing, and. I feel that I'm never go. I will never understand, uh, you know, uh, uh, the 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 struggles and the challenges and the plights of a lot of folks in different positions. I'm, I'm never going to be like, oh, I get it now. I understand. No, yeah, that don't. will never be a thing. But but uh, and I will always make mistakes as well. Even with the gig, like there's there's growing it. So there was, you know, things I did which you know people would call me out and friends would call me out and be like, oh, that's oh, that's not the way to go. Or that's not you're not being a good ally or you're not doing this. And it's like. I will never figure it out. I'll never be perfect. The key is to constantly have other people that are involved in it that are like, well, this is how, this is what you should do. This is always striving to, to be better, uh, to be what we would like the games industry to be. You know, yeah. we're not going to get more diverse speakers unless folks can actually look at the panels and the content that's happening and actually see themselves represented on there. So they feel comfortable actually being part of the conversations as well. You know, so and. That it, I think I really actually do think it is the responsibility, uh, you know, and it's easier with you and I that are in scrappy kind of like, I don't give a fuck, we'll, we'll run this however we want compared to <laughs> a lot of the larger events that are established. It's harder uh, for them to actually change and, and take risks, I think. Uh, whereas, yeah, that it's is exciting. One of the advantages that I have with indie game business versus, I mean, even places like PAX and these big events that they have these longstanding norms that they have to adhere to for all these sponsors that have been giving them tens of thousands of dollars all the year. I don't have sponsors giving us tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> to be clear though, Jay, if, like if you you'll want take to, sponsors. Yeah, yes. you'll take <laughs> Yes. I've had to grow this team significantly <laughs> and we are absolutely looking for sponsors. But it's like, I, I don't, I'm not obligated. You know, if, if you come in and you want something completely random and I'm like, no, that's not, I'm not doing that. That, that. It, it, It's, you do have a, a bit of, you know, autonomy that goes along with it, but it's, it's, it's still funny. Cause I mean, but yeah, let me be very clear. We are absolutely looking for sponsors. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, a few questions coming in, and this is like oh, got to be okay. one of the important ones. How can we attend one of the Zoom events? Oh yeah, okay. So uh, go to <clears throat> go to games.industrygathering.com, uh, or actually, I think it's I think I got the other domain, just gamesindustrygathering.com. You'll find it uh, and uh, and register. And I, I got to be honest with you, like the the vetting process <laughs> isn't isn't flawless. It's not perfect. Like it can take some time for for approval it's entirely manual so um but but please, you can reach out and be like hey where are you at with the application is everything do you need more information a lot of the time it's just trying to find out you know uh, uh folks are they actually in the games industry are they who they say they are as well to try and avoid you don't want someone coming in and being like i represent this person like just can you prove you are send me an email from this address that we see on this or so it's a it's a very manual process but go there register ideally if you can get someone else who's in the gig to refer you uh because we do we do ask who referred you uh because if you do turn out to be be an asshole i can always go back to that person who referred you and be like what the fuck are you doing we can contact trace assholes now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um and i think Look, the I am asked the other freedom and flexibility of starting something like this from scratch, where it's not beholden to sponsors or a commercial nature, is that you can kind of take a very 
a very aggressive approach toward, towards harassment or issues that are happening. I think, you know, realistically, a lot of, uh, you know, large, uh, events are, they have to be held accountable to, oh, this person said this, well, then we need to report it and let's, you know, bring other third party mitigate, like there's, there's a whole process. Uh, and that's completely fair enough and reasonable. And I understand that. But with a gig, it's like, oh, this, you, you feel unsafe or well, this person harassed you. Well, they're being kicked. And that's it. Is it fair? No. But that, that's if that's going to make the majority of people actually feel comfortable in that space, that's what I want this to be. So that's what it is. We are dictators of our own domain, but we are benevolent dictators. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's nice to be in a position to actually uh, do what I think is the right decision by my morals and ethics. Uh, and what I think is, uh, you know, I don't know, I just think it's, it's something that is maybe a little bit different that I'm not saying it's for everyone. It's, I'm not even saying it's the right thing to do. It's just, but it's the way it's been set up and it seems to be working. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, so here's a question, but I'm going to preface this Nightwolf, You are not allowed to bail on my community to go hang out at guys community. Okay. <laughs> this is not what the show is for. <laughs> hey, Jay, well, come on. We're, we we have plenty of people in both both oh, Discord yeah. servers. Come on, that's the, uh, uh, so Nightwolf says. Are there any minimum requirements for joining? Since the FAQ said for game industry professionals only, required to be currently in the industry, or okay for just getting in, in process, or or getting active? Yeah, we uh, we want people that are in the games industry or were in the games industry, and maybe they're looking for jobs or whatnot. But to be honest, uh, it's not open to students. Uh, or folks that are looking to get in the games industry or people that are just fans of games. Uh, and that is, it's gatekeeping and it sucks, but it is the, the point of the gig to actually provide a space where when you go into a randomized Zoom room, you kind of know that everyone there has, a, you know, a bit of professional investment in the games industry in some way, shape or form. You kind of know everyone's either hustling or they're, you know, they've, they've got that experience there. Uh, I, I, I do want to do, and some people I've seen have done some spin-off things for, uh, you know, to get connect students with folks in the games industry. But Jay, as I'm sure you would know, like it's a lot of curation and management of the industry folks to actually come into those groups and actually educate and spend time with the students. It's, it becomes more work as opposed to more to just the socializing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a long-winded way to say, yeah, games industry folks only um, uh, at the moment. But I, I'll be honest with you, there's a couple of students that I know have squeaked through the vetting process. And to them, I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Well done, you cheeky. <laughs> but, and Nightwolf had a follow-up. That he, you know, he's, and Nightwolf is a, a long-standing, one of our, probably one of the longest, you know, viewers of the show. Uh, right. And, you know, he's, he's doing grad student. He said, if grad student doing research, you know, and, and getting into it works. And there's your answer, Nightwolf. You just got to sleep. I got to be honest. The, the process is not like it's not, you know, uh, binary. It's not like, yes, yeah, so like it's there is a little bit. I mean, the, the, the biggest confusion actually sometimes is uh, a, a content creator. You know, how many followers should a content creator have before they're actually admitted to the gig? What is there a certain size or level? And a lot of the time you just kind of, you know, it depends on depends on who's helping with the vetting process. And they're like, I think this, this person would add a lot. And th there's other people that have like massive, uh, you know, uh, creator accounts. But for them, it's just a part-time hobby that they're doing. It's not like they're looking for it to be, their career. And I think a lot of this is trying to get folks where in it where it's like this is their focus. This isn't 
a side job that they do at night. This is what they want to do with their lives and getting people with that mentality is kind of what we're, what we're looking for. So yeah, Brent Brangers just thank God I'm grandfathered in it. And now that you're mentioning <laughs> that there are like follower yeah. requirements, like, like, Holy shit, I'm glad I'm in already because there's no way that we've got enough to, um, to fit that in. So um, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to do more stuff. Like I was talking to the, uh, you know, a couple of groups that may be actually bringing in some uh, mentees with some programs from underrepresented uh, countries or things like that, just to give them that networking experience. Because that's the other challenge. Like, think about this, man. Like, like when I first started out in the industry, like all these networking opportunities were great. Think of anyone that graduated last year. There's no oh yeah events. There's no network. There's no you know socializing. It's it's hard. I get it. Like, it's it's hard. It, it, that's the reason. So last summer. We did, we took what we do with the, with the business to business conferences. And I was like, okay, so we can do this for people looking for jobs too. And we had a whole lot of interest and I'm sitting here thinking, it's like, I've never worked as a recruiter. I don't know the hell I've never, I don't think I've ever actually been hired by somebody outside of the first job that I came out of college with, you know, ever since then, it's been like, you know, I stayed there and I, I I can't even tell you how to do a resume properly. I've never had to have one. The, um, but I was like, let's just do a career fair because we everybody's virtual now because, and it was so absolutely frustrating because the companies that showed up with jobs wanted people to hire locally. And I'm like, this is the, the completely missed. You're missing the point here. But part of it was because I had seen what happened at PAX Boston because that was like the last big event before everything got yeah. shut down. And yeah. I was seeing so many people on, on Twitter, even in our discord going, well, if I can't go to GDC, how am I going to get a job? And I'm sitting here going, if your job getting strategy is flying to San Francisco and trying to, I was like, we have bigger problems as an industry, but it was, it was very frustrating when we ran that career fair because it, yeah. it did not go the way I had anticipated. Luckily, you know, months later, I find out that, you know, one of the groups that we worked with, you know, I was talking to them and they said, we had like six people get jobs through that event, you know, that, that, and I was like, yeah. Holy shit. You could have told me that like six months earlier <laughs> when I was like completely just irritated and down because it didn't work. But you really don't. And, and we see, we've done a couple of shows on how do you network during a pandemic? And it's like, mm. there's discord, but you know, that's, that's, that's not the same. No. And you know, what you're doing is, is a really good solution. And yes, the entrepreneur side of me goes, you know, I, I do know, I, I recognize I've been doing this for 20 some years. You in the, professionals in the industry start to tune out at events when it starts becoming too student oriented. It's yeah. shitty, yeah. but it happens. It's yeah. a reality. I've seen it happen. The, you know, how can we help all these other, you know, groups involved? I mean, I saw, and I'll let you clarify this if you want. I saw something on Twitter about other types of gig events that are going on in oh, other industries. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's uh, a bunch of spinoffs, which is basically just uh, good folks coming to me and saying, hey, look, this the gig thing is great. Do you think we could do this around 
uh, a more focused segment of the the community. So there's a uh, black in gaming dot industry gathering. There's key creators for women non-binary uh, folks. Uh, key creators dot industry gathering. There's a oh god, I've forgotten. <laughs> there's a comics dot industry gathering for folks in the comics industry. Um, I think there's one more, but I've forgotten it. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, there's there's other ones that are that are uh, taking off. I, it's interesting you talk about the the uh, you know helping students. I was involved in a, an event uh, at the tail end of last year, the Games Biz Academy event, and uh, and everyone's trying stuff, man. Everyone's iterating. Everyone's seeing what works and what not. And it's hard to actually get your metrics for success from an event like that until afterwards when you hear the actual stories, because it's not about how many people attended. It's about how many people got a job or, or it helped their career afterwards. That's the metric for success from those. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of hard to determine what that actually means. But uh, it, it's also not a socializing thing. Anyone in the industry that attends those things, it's, it's work. They're there and they're going to spend their time uh, you know, talking to students or talking to people wanting to get into the games industry. And, and it's going to be a constant kind of well, let me give you advice, and let me let me look at your portfolio. Let me tell you the who you should talk to. Let me let me teach you and impart knowledge. It's important, but it's not socializing. It's not a casual gig kind of like yeah, let's talk about our favorite Muppets for twenty minutes. Like it's it's a different level of conversation. So I think an an event that's around uh, students or folks looking to get into the games industry and connecting them with industry professionals, the curation on that and the the intent uh to get the industry involved needs to be is a lot more involved like i i it's it's a lot more work and effort uh than just a casual gathering i think Games.industrygathering.com. Yes. Okay. All right. That's what. So that's where you go. Oh, or, go there. or or I registered another domain. Go to uh, the Zoom where it happens.com. Are you serious? <laughs> I love Hamilton, man. I, I just I love Hamilton and puns. So that's that's awesome. So I mean, there are you know conversations that you and I need to have about you know the the our event because this is. You know, this is when when we were shopping around, and obviously, meet to match powers all of our our meetings. Yeah. But in yeah. terms of, you know, this aspect of it in the videoing and the in the networking, you know, I know meet to match has some stuff that they're working on to, you know, solve some of the networking stuff. It's very cool. I've seen it. Yep. But we haven't had it to this point, and there are, and ideally, I know what I want you to do. I want you to run a gig for three days while, you know, my conference is going on so people can drop out and do it, but you're not going to do that. I know. Well, uh, <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you a couple of other, like I'm these putting all... him on the spot. That's what no, 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 no. Here's the thing. There's, there's a bunch of learnings that we've taken away from all the, all this gig stuff. And that is that, uh, we've, we've run a couple of 24 hour gigs before, usually in collaboration with some other big, we did one for the game jam. Uh, in collaboration with them like a couple of uh, a week ago god time doesn't matter whatever but like you know recently and the the problem is that you the time zones you've got 
folks in different countries that mm -hmm. are going to join at different times. You might have some, you know, for like two hours, there's only like 10 people in the room and two breakout rooms. And then, you know, two hours later, you've got like a hundred people and it's, it's, it's a different kind of ebb and flow. And if, if you don't, I, I, f I feel this way about events in general. Like some people will say, why would you even need to do an event that connects people? You could just create a, a website or a platform that actually does it 365 days of the year. Yeah, that's true. But events focus people to it. it it's like a funnel that pushes people towards a, a goal at the same time. If we ran the gig 24 hours, 365 days a year, every time you'd go into it, it'd probably be pretty empty. You know, there might be two or three people in there having a bit of a chat, but it, 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 events even digital events bring force people to come together at certain times and it's it's like this 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 social feeling that that i think you miss if you spread it out so it is and, and i do i did not intend for our i think this is our eighth or ninth event that's coming up in a couple of weeks i did that's not, crazy man congrats yeah we well, appreciate it the didn't think it would go this long. It's like, I'll do this. And then, you know, when real events come back and yeah, well, okay, <laughs> that's not happening anytime soon. And then, you know, everybody started doing it last year. And I was like, there's no way people are still going to come to our, our event when they can do all of these other ones that they already know. But I cheat and we have advantages like we don't get, keep videos and a ticket's only 50 bucks. And sure. But the reality is, you know, it has to be those, you have to have that. It's like, even when we did our December event, you know, I was like, there's nobody that's going to come to this. It's like, we are all, I run these events and I'm sick and tired of them this year. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of those, but we did, we had a great turnout and you know, a lot of people, because that's what happens. It's like, yes, I see other places building these 24 seven platforms. And I do admit there's a place for them because I'm working on one with two partners, you know, outside of this. It's not really a secret. I mean, we, we had them on the show, but the reality is, yeah, you still, we still need these events to focus people's attention and it still works like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say two, two notes as well. First of all, I think that uh, we are done with the age where it is just physical events and that's the focus when events come back. Uh, consumer events, B2B events, they will have a, a much larger digital component to them. Digital events are not just happening now, then they're going away. Digital events will now be, th this, this, is, this is it. We will absolutely have digital components of every physical event that happens going forward. Like you will be able to go to events, but there'll be a massive digital component. Uh, I truly believe that. And other folks that I know and that run the event companies feel the same way. That's that's definitely one of them. Second one is um, the fatigue of events. The problem is that uh, all of a sudden, every tiny little conference in you know uh, in in Indonesia or in uh, you know uh, Poland or whatnot is now accessible. So yeah. you know the fatigue of like every week there's a there's an event, there's a conference. It's just exhausting, sort of thing, you know. So it's it's the people that are running the events have to cut through it with more than just another panel talking about how that's, to pitch your game like it's you need more that's that's the other struggle that i have doing our events because for, for a long time we didn't do talks at our conferences because i was like i'm literally bringing people on every week sometimes twice a week to talk on this show yep. i don't need to do another one and then i gave in and started doing it but 
you know, because all of our stuff is, is always out there, you know, somebody wants to listen to something that was, we talked about at our August 2020 event, it's there, it's not hidden. So it's like, I can't run around and go, okay, we're going to do another how to pitch to a publisher talk because we've done that three times already. It's, it's going out and finding, you know, new stuff, new people yeah. to talk about. And, and that's where the new, the new views, the new looks on stuff came in because, and I'll tell you, this week we changed the name of the conference from you know mid-stride because i mean hell why not you know that's the um so i mean it's they're still called indie game business sessions but yep. we were naming them based on the season of the year the spring winter yeah. blah blah and yeah. a, a friend of ours goes you do know that it's not spring down here in south america and i went yep. shit you're yep. right and yep. so if, if folks, if you wonder why it's now called water, uh, we switched to elemental themes. So we're doing water, air, earth, jello, whatever. Fire, all the airbender things. Come on. No. That's... All right. So listen, that, that, of course that came up. That's an element. And I was like, we cannot have an event called fire season because that's a It'll thing. It'll be the fire festival. In no, California. No. no like, <laughs> oh, okay. They right. actually have a fire. And I'm like, we're not going to do that. We're, we, we have to find something else. So, yeah. Okay. But see, here you go. Now you want to call it a water festival when there's been floods down in Australia. Ah. God. Now listen, I ain't. Romy's already redone the art once. I'm not going to tell Romy to redo the art no, again. No, no. That, that's a, fair. I, I, all, I you, all you porn entrepreneurs down in Australia, <laughs> y'all can just be fine. I, I, re I remember this when, you know, last year when E3 didn't happen and everyone from IGN to Keeley and, and groups were doing summer of gaming, summer of gaming. And of course, as, as an Australian living over here in America, I'm like, I get it. But, you know, <laughs> this, this is a very kind of, you know, American, like, it's because it's, it's summer. It's like, yes. man, there's the rest of the world out there. You know? Yes. So that, that was yeah. pointed out to us, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was like, yeah, yeah, we should probably fix that. And so yeah. that, that's why it's, it's good. now it's good. the water right. 2021 event. Nice. So nice. is this your, is this your new thing? Is this what you're going to be doing? I mean, are you growing this into something bigger and, and better? Or where where does gig go from here? I don't know, man. I, I actually have no idea. I, I, like there's there's ideas around maybe, you know, in the back of my head, I keep thinking when physical events come back, uh, you know, uh, maybe there can be gig parties that happen, uh, you know, in uh, around these events that are only open to people that are members of the gig. Again, keeping that vetted, curated, you know, thing. And if someone's a scumbag and they get ejected from that event, they get ejected from the gig. Like it's not not just a, it's a real, it you know, kind of uh, sense of that. But I I don't know. Hey, does anyone have any ideas where what it should do? I I think it's more of just it's something that the industry needed. Yeah. And uh, as long as it's needed, uh, we're going to keep doing it. Like originally at the beginning of this year, talking with the rest of the hosts that give their time every Friday, three hours at a time to actually host this. We're like, mm -hmm. maybe we should break this down into like once every two weeks or once every month. Like it's, it's actually, it is a, a bit of time to actually put it together and vet the interest. Maybe we should break this down. And then we, we tried that for a bit and people were like, I, I need this. I don't have anything else. I don't have another way to like, to socialize Look, like I, this is... I pitched you to my um the, the very last pocket gamer meeting i just had before we went live you know by the person i was meeting with was like 
uh, you know, they're in the UK, they're live by themselves. He goes, my kids come by and visit every now and then, but otherwise I'm just here. And I'm like, you need to go to this. And, you know, I, I sit in because it is, it gets our, it gets our social on every yeah. now and then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think, um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, the IGB, the, the thing that's coming up, like we'll do a gig for around your audience. We're going to do it around other events. Uh, I'm going to tie it into, uh, and work closer with some other organizations that have, uh, you know, membership things like this as well. I'm working, uh, I'm working for Xolar going forward, uh, across their, their diamond club of, of developers and publishers and distributors. And, and I'm like, you know, as opposed to looking at that and going, well, how do we create social things in there? I'm like, let's just, give them out let's build up a big gig thing that combines that or does a whole bunch of really beneficial stuff for the industry you know it's trying to just figure out ways the other one is trying to figure out ways where there's always new people joining uh and it's constantly growing and uh you know so it's not just the same people every week that's fine but that isn't the spirit of what this is supposed to be it's supposed to be you know you meet new people so that's that's the hardest thing just to keep it going and keep it growing and keep inviting people. Uh, if you, you know, as an attendee, if you show up at different times of day, that's the other beautiful thing. It's not like you're going into a room and you might talk to somebody in that corner that you didn't meet before that. Yeah. It, this is a party that if you come in three hours later, it's at a completely different party. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, time zone and people is completely yeah. different, which is wonderful. It's so good. Like uh, I, I love the fact that like the Friday night for this event, uh late at night like you know midnight est time you've got a bunch of folks from australia and singapore that are jumping in because it's their saturday afternoon yep. and it's like it it creates a completely different vibe which is i think wonderful and they'd never be able to get to any events that are happening in the states easily so yeah stuff like that is pretty fun so and one i got to give Exola, a shout out as well. They have been a anchor for us. If you go back and look since we started having sponsors, Exola has been there for us. So thank you, folks. We <laughs> do appreciate that. Um, and to everybody else, yes, we still need sponsors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've been they've been they've been great, man. Eugene and the gang there that do the diamond club. The reason like I'm 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 going and doing stuff with them is because they've created a club that is free and creates value and gives tickets to people like it's good for the industry yeah. and to be part of that uh i think it's going to be a lot of fun so yeah, yeah. It's, i mean that that's the thing and you know you see so many of these companies and they're like we're going to try to do everything we're going to do conferences and we're going to do special clubs and we're going to do classes and we're going to do all this other stuff and it's like i don't it's like, i don't want to turn around and figure out how to replicate what you did so i can add it to my conferences i just want to call you and go <laughs> guy i need We'll cross promote. We'll do yeah. whatever. I yeah. need you know one of these things going on, and you, you have to have that in this industry. If you try to do everything, you're not going to do it well. And so, yeah, I, I I think the other interesting thing is uh, that a lot of people with their events uh, are going down the road of trying to create a lot of different technologies and whatnot. Like I've seen a lot of the networking stuff that folks, you know, the isometric 3D things where you go into like a little Habbo hotel thing, IAB. I, I think it's magical what they're doing, but the barrier of entry to teach people and train people up on the new pieces of software is, is, is it's a barrier. It's a barrier that, that gets people involved in it. And I think it can be quite tough. That's, I think that's why the, the gig thing works because it's just Zoom and it's, everyone uses it. And it's like, it's super easy and it's not complicated. You don't need to learn a, a new program or something like that. It's just, it's just there. 
you know so i it's i i love i love the idea of replicating something that's more around the events that we do and whatnot but like uh, the barrier is is very real especially in this time of pandemic do we really need another uh video or networking i've got zoom and teams and google and freaking uh whatsapp and like just uh and then all the you know, we webo and wechat and like do we need another one all right so here's the one because i'm with you i'm like we know we do. but <laughs> but here's the thing that i've seen some companies doing that i think is awesome they're doing their stand-ups and their team meetings like in Red Dead Online. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, we can do gig Valheim, you know, and, and have dedicated servers for that part, I do think is cool. But no, you can't, you're not going to get all those people because not everybody has the game and not everybody has. And well, two, those games like match look, up like 10 people. So, yeah, um, I, I will say that I actually think, uh, based on my experience with consumer events, I think the future of a lot of consumer events is in-game events. I think you look at Fortnite and what they've done with the Party Royale, what they have with the live concerts that's happened. Christ, Post Malone is doing an appearance in Pokemon coming up sort of thing. I think... Post Malone the, looks like a Pokemon. Yeah, actually, yeah. actually his avatar which, actually looks kind of freaky, to be fair. But um, What but, is his second evolution, anyway? <laughs> so, Oh, God. Um, but but it's I, I actually think that uh, when you're looking for platforms, digital platforms for events, go to where the people are. And, you know, a lot of us old school gamers can be a bit, you know, maybe we're a bit dismissive of Fortnite sometimes, but that's that's where folks are. That's the audience where it is. And you know what? I think it's the cleverest, savviest thing in the world to run an event in Fortnite for th that audience and demographic that are the majority of gamers out there, frankly. And I expect and anticipate much more of that going forward. It's um, there. I, I saw there was an article last year about a podcast who built an arena in creative mode of Fortnite. And that's where they, that's where they run it from. So, right. you know, yeah. they, they, they sit around and, it, and it's basically a stream instead of you and I sitting here in front of our webcams, they they're just streaming this big, they built a TV set in, in, in Fortnite. And I think that's cool as hell. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that is, that is, you've got this entire generation now. It's like our generation, we're getting old, you know, that's the reality of it. And, yeah. but with that comes, you know, Tim Sweeney was, you know, he was the, the nerd growing up too, just like the rest of us. Sure. And now he's doing this. And so now we're in charge and we can start doing these cool things. And then you've got people like my son and I honestly, he's very social. He got that from me. He's extroverted. He needs to be around people. And you can see during the course of this pandemic where it was just having an effect on him. Sure. But if he hadn't had Minecraft and Roblox and, and Fortnite, this is what gets me. He'll be like, dad, get on Fortnite. With me. I'm like, all right, we're going to run squads. We're going to own people. And even if I can get three of his friends into a squad, they all jump out at random places anyway. Yeah. And I'm like yeah. this, but they get in there and they do creative mode. They That's do. Yeah. <laughs> I logged on one day. He goes, we're doing a fashion show, dad. You need to get your best outfit on that looks like a dog and i'm like we're doing what <laughs> but I, this i just wanted to shoot people <laughs> I, I, this this is the thing and like this is way deep down a rabbit hole but it is fascinating 
And it's something that we put a lot of time, you know, and thought into in terms of events, like your demographics. Like previously, when you talk about gaming events, like you kind of are focused on gamers. You know, it's like people that have grown up playing games, appreciate the craft and are fans of the games and whatnot. You know, I'm someone that I grew up playing, you know, Mario on the NES. And, you know, it's like I, you've got your gamer kind of badge. What's up, gamers? I'm sure a lot of the geek people will be familiar with that. But but. You, also there was this feeling of being ostracized it's like it's not cool to play games you're part of the nerds or the geeks or whatnot so we grew up with that that particular vibe whereas the folks who play games now that the teenagers playing games are they're not gamers that they're no they're not gamers in the respect that they're not moviers or tv showers or anything like that it's just these are the games they play and it's actually if you're not if you don't play games you're kind of left out in the cold now it's not uncool not to play games. in fact twitch Become a Twitch streamer is your aspirational goal, not a, a movie star or celebrity. Oh my God, his, his entire class. I mean, he's like in third grade. And yeah. you ask him, it's like when I was that age, when you were that age, we were going to be policemen and firemen and doctors and lawyers. You go in that classroom now, it's like, what do you want to be? A YouTuber? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's actually easier to be a professional basketball player than it is to be a successful <laughs> YouTuber. So it's, but it's, it's the point of difference in demographics. Now, we used to have differences in terms of, you know, uh, PC or console players or whatnot. Now there is this massive difference in, in uh, age brackets and demographics and experience that have two very different associations with playing games. One based on experience and knowledge and almost, you know, being being ostracized. And the other where this is how they socialize. This is just as natural as breathing and anything else. And they usually only play one or two games. Like it's very focused games that they, they play with their friends. It's a means, it's a means to connect. So th those two groups tend to clash heads quite frequently so how do you do you do you create experiences or or conventions or things around them man this is yeah that is way down a, the consumer gaming That's, event rabbit hole but it's fascinating stuff man. i was just saying it's not that far down the road because we're already doing it you know and one of the things i would love to do if i ever get around to actually having time to apply for a, a mega grant for this you know little hobby that has grown drastically out of control the um of which you should talk to manny hatchy she has our sponsor deck anyway the um it's like sit down with things like core from manicore you know what what frederick and those have done and they basically built this entire system for fast prototyping games in unreal and i'm like we could literally go in and build a game university in unreal and then run shows through that i mean that it's not that far off we can do it now somebody just has to do it that's the that, that's the catch I, I'm excited to actually see what happens uh, in the next couple of years. I think there are a lot of people creating a lot of interesting programs that are are forced uh, to do so because of the distancing and the pandemic. And once everyone kind of realized that this is our reality for some time, you know, in, in, there's not it's not a light switch. Things won't get flicked back on immediately. This is going there's residual for this that's going to last for a while. The idea of creating more authentic virtual spaces or different ways to connect or dare i even say the word metaverse i'd prefer not to but like you know like there's all these different uh you know things that are going to happen in the next five years and, and come about that's just we haven't even thought of uh, it, it's actually i think there's i think it's really cool actually so we'll I, I, I want to jump down this rabbit hole and, and by the way if we have a ton of conversation going on in, in okay. chat <laughs> because we have inherited a lot of the good gig folks in here if you all have questions 
um, realize that I have no moderator. Andy's still on vacation. So if you ask a question and I missed it, um, tag me so I see it. But if you got questions, toss them in here. We're, we're going to answer them. I want to jump down that rabbit hole for a minute. Okay. In an ideal world, let's say you and I go out and, and we talk to Epic and we get a mega grant and it's whatever, however much we need. Sure. What would, what would we build for the industry around networking and you know, community? What, what's the pipe dream? Uh, well, I'm, there's two sides to it. One of them is, is how do you build up something that – I don't think there's one thing, man. I think there's, there's multiple smaller things that actually add up to a whole. I think even, even you know, the gig or meet to match or things like that, they, they fulfill certain, certain promises. I think the one thing that's missing – at the moment, I don't want—I don't want to talk too much about it because I know there's some folks working on stuff. Is is a a, a repository or of uh, of folks that can actually speak at conferences from underrepresented groups like that? I think that's something that wait does uh, that exist? Uh, not in not yet. I, I don't think so. I need that. Yeah, we oh. all we all need that sort of thing. Oh. So, um, but but then the question is, how do things come back in a physical? capacity you know what what does that look like and how do you actually involve people in different uh countries you know to get involved not everyone can afford to fly to san francisco and stay in gdc fucking people that live in san francisco can't afford to stay in gdc i've I've been blunt about how so i read before we started doing the conferences you know part of it was i sat down in 2018 and you know i was like how much money i spent traveling to conferences I did not get, but if, if I wanted to go to San Francisco in 2019, obviously not last year, yeah. and have the full experience, all access pass so I can go to the talks, I'm on the East Coast. I'm not even coming in internationally. It would have run close to 10 grand by yeah. the time I got done with flights and hotels. And that's, you know, I'm not staying, I don't stay in four or five star hotels. I stay in, the safest looking one that I can walk to, <laughs> and I don't think I'm going to get stabbed. Yeah, somewhere down back. the tenderloins. Yeah, you're okay. I'm yeah. in tenderloinish. <laughs> yes, because it's it, to me, it's like, yeah, if, if if I'm being sent to a conference and somebody else is picking up a tab, I will absolutely take the nice cushy hotel room. But otherwise, it's like I don't, I don't necessarily. I, I need think that, that, but it's still. 10 grand but i think that's the thing is for the most of most folks it's their company it's an, it's a write-off it's a expense it's a it's something that is expense to the company or the company pays for it or even if they're a small to mid studio like they factor in it's they factor it in as marketing costs sort of thing it's it's but then but that's the problem is that then almost like you know cancels out anyone that isn't just able to expense that against you that's know it. some you know ten thousand dollar revenue there they are or aren't getting from that game and that itself is a form of gatekeeping uh which i think with a with a physical convention where it's supposed to be about educating and bringing the community the industry together in that respect it's it's frustrating and to be fair to gdc's credit and to a lot of other organizations credit they try and do a lot with programs to fly people in and do a lot of stuff i just it'll never be enough unfortunately yeah, well, so you, I mean, you, you can't help everybody but the problem that we saw for so long is that there were no options for the people that, that you know, that, yeah. that's what we're trying to, you know, that's what we're trying to solve. It's like, here's an option, like our masterclasses. So yeah. our first masterclass, 
is in three hours. The, the, the first one is finally happening. Elaine is going to do it. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. She, oh, she's great. If Are there any tickets left? Or is it? Oh, is it... Yeah, 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 there are. Trust me. And so here's Go. The she's amazing. Go um, get, do a masterclass. It's a, uh, she, she's doing it on how to, how to design, I mean, how to develop as a designer, you know, so mm -hmm. if you're in Unity and you're the designer, but she's, anyway, we do these things for, for 250 bucks instead of, you know, a thousand dollars for these other ones. And we do it because it is more, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and go, Hey, for 250 bucks, you get the same access to shit that we do for free on the conferences. No, this is like a three, four hour thing. It's, it's, it's well done. And we're compensating the people. Yeah. Fairly, not yeah. the other way that it's being done. And for everybody that buys one, we give one away to somebody. So, yeah. you know, Which she used to be last night going, how many more tickets do I have to give away? I'm like telling her. And it's, but I'll tell you my, my frustration. It's like, we have gotten no press on this and it's not because we haven't tried. It's the outreach that we've gotten is from people like you and people like our other event partners that have said, yeah, this is the IGDA helped us. They, they put us, you know, in their newsletter and, and we did that sort of stuff, but we yeah. have not been able to get an ounce. Okay. Okay. Video. Well, well look, look, let's, I'm let's, ranting. Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, Let's uh, how do we let's let's take this offline. Uh, yes. let, me, let me introduce you to some folks, man. Like that is there. There should be more talking about this because God knows there is conversations to be had in terms of spaces where people can actually go for uh, masterclasses, especially like and between, you know, GDC and yourself and what Rami and crew are doing. There's a lot of people out there that are trying a bunch of things and it should be promoted. It should be more recognized in the industry. So yeah, let's talk about that, man. Let's let's have a chat. It's, it's, it's funny because when that when Judy C sent that first email out last year and they're like, we're doing this and it's a thousand dollars. It's like that was my first message. I'm, I sent one to Rami and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do something. Are you gonna do something? I'm assuming you're gonna do something. <laughs> I was like, I'll keep you in the loop on what I'm doing. Let me know what you're doing. That way we're not like offering the same classes and shit. Sure. You know, so yeah. Um so, so all right, somebody record record. I'm I'm sure I slaughtered that name, but anyway. <laughs> Can you discuss the barrier to entry differences? So ticket prices in, in visual you know, in these versus live conferences. And so you can give a little more insight this, because there's a reason. It's like I can afford to give tickets away for 50 bucks or even less because I don't have to pay for a lot of the shit that, you know, lot. So yeah. Some yeah. yeah. Look, the, the interesting thing here is uh, with live events, uh, there's a lot of costs that are associated that feel unfair. As in, like the booth cost is expensive. Or if you've ever run had a booth at a gaming convention, it's like, wait, I need to pay how much to access the internet? What you can't just give me a second, like, you and know, you can't plug it in. in. Like, yeah, you yeah, exactly. people have to plug it in. That's yes. right. Oh, it needs to be tagged and tested. How much is that going to cost me? Oh, you're like, and even like buying stuff, like um, uh, food and stuff. It's like, wait, this croissant is like twelve dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's all. There's this perception that it's like it's the the event and the convention that's that's like you know gouging and whatnot. But the cost to run a physical event from the hire of the venue and then like that venue itself, like you know the the expectations of uh, you know how much uh, internet costs for them to actually provide to to all the people in it. Like there are just so much hidden costs behind running a large event. And then you don't even think of like the team behind them. It's not just marketing and sales and content and whatnot. There's ops, there's legal, there's finance, there's uh, all the accounts managers, there's all the people that are making sure that uh, the liability insurance stuff is looked after, that there's, you know, that like it's 
huge to run a physical event. So the costs, you know, traveled onto that makes that that's why things are, are differently priced. That's why tickets are so expensive or whatnot. Whereas an online event, uh, you don't have most of those costs. You have the labor of folks that are actually working on it and putting the content together. You have the, the folks that are building the the structure or the website or using a third party program, but it's just, it's vastly different. I, I think the danger though is in people equating the cost of a, a live event to the co cost of a, a physical event and actually uh, comparing the quality of the content uh, and saying, well, this one's cheaper, it's less important, or this one is overpriced or whatnot. Like there's there's a lot that goes on in the middle there and the experiences are very different be sitting in a in a auditorium and actually being there and watching someone on stage and then going out afterwards and maybe having a chat with them or being in that room like that is a very different experience to sitting in your underwear watching something on a computer you know like i'm it's... wearing pants okay good good there's no judgment I there's mean, no they're, judgment there's they're like pajama pants but i mean i'm wearing them that's the uh... <laughs> so like the, the 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 difference in cost between physical and digital uh and the those those costs on set you know given to the people that are paying to actually take part or attend them uh is just because the cost of physical events is is crazy think airport costs like you're there in the airport so the airport's going to charge you more it's like an airport tax right they're going to charge you more for that particular item conventions have the same thing it's like you're running a convention and you don't have a choice you can't go anywhere else you can't set up a booth like you know well, I guess Devolver actually sets up a booth in the car park yeah, they, opposite of the three. For years they've been yeah. doing that. <laughs> but, but but you know what I mean. So so that's that's the difference in costs. If that my, my favorite was when E three finally had so much they were so done with Devolver and you know, going back to the old GOD and, and all that other stuff, they actually lined a bunch of transfer trucks and tractor trailers yeah. up against yeah, the classic. fence so you couldn't see it. And I'm like, everybody still knows it's there. It's like you're not <laughs> But it, it was it was frustrating. I got to be honest. Like when I was uh, more involved with PAX down in Australia, like you know, Activision or other companies would they wouldn't be on the show floor. They'd set up, uh, you know, uh, a, an activation in an area called Fed Square, which was like you know a bit of a walk just down the way. And of course, they're capitalizing on the brand and the traffic and you know all the people that you're bringing in, but they're not actually giving anything back to the convention. As an organizer, it's exceptionally frustrating, but. You can also kind of appreciate the hustle of that publisher to be cheeky, you know, like there's just like, oh, God damn it. Well done. But fuck you. <laughs> you That's, I, I, we had done some work with with live events on the consulting side before I mean, years ago, and I would walk through the conferences and the, and the, the person who ran it would be like, that guy <laughs> he's over there setting up meetings he does it every event and it's like we all know we sit here and joke it's like when was the last time we actually bought a gdc pass because all the business happens in the marriott and the the hotels and everything around the place. i like i'm i'm with you but i also want to give a bit of a shout out to like the fact that there's a lot of people that go to gdc that don't have those networks and don't have the ability yeah. to actually like I've I've been to a couple of GDC panels and I'm not a developer, so they're not quite for me, but like there there is a lot of good content. It's just oh, to be honest, man, it's just always easy to kind of, you know, shit on the the big group that's that's doing their big thing and go, Oh, if I could do it, I'd do it differently. The difference is that you are doing it differently. <laughs> <laughs> so you're actually putting your money where your mouth is a little bit and, and I think that's good. I think the competition and the challenge is good for other folks to kind of, you know, do things that that question and, and let's be honest if there was ever a time to kind of shuffle around the way that events 
are run or operate or are they too bloated or are there too many of them or anything like that this is this is this is the the reckoning a little bit you know i mean so. they're not going to go away and and no no and and i don't want clear, them to either frankly so it's like i get frustrated with gdc because of the prices they charge but at the same time i mean i've been doing this 20 years i know that they have they have they're a much bigger company you know my staff is like me and dan and and now we got manny helping us on you know sponsorship side that that's my entire staff and up until two shows ago the entire staff was me and dan helping out on occasion too but it, it's those aren't going to go away you know what we want to do is give more people access to the stuff that they yeah. couldn't do it otherwise it's like and I, nobody's gonna go you know what i'm gonna spend my money at indie game business instead of going to gdc this year <laughs> it's like, but no, no I, that's but, that's that's good having having more groups to actually do different things to actually, you know, keep keep folks accountable in, in other positions and whatnot. I, I I hope that, you know, when when people are doing networking events and things like this, they look at the gig and they look at maybe some things that we're not doing right or things that could be done better. And like other folks, you know, they're like, well, we can do it even better. We can make sure it's this. I'm like, you know what? That never would have happened if we hadn't actually started this. You know, it pushing people in that particular question. Um, so yeah, we love you too, Sean. Hey, Sean. <laughs> Cheers. All bro. right. So yeah, we are we're over our time, and you actually have a gig to kick off. Um, unless we've done that <laughs> while we're doing this. No, no, it kicks off in the in just under an hour. So uh, and it starts the twelve hour cycle, uh, and we got. Uh, I think Manny is. I think Manny is starting it off uh, hosting. Oh, is he? Yeah, I think so. So then Reb and Rob later on tonight. Great, we got a great just a great crew of people and hosts that actually welcome people and make everyone feel welcome. So uh, yeah, no, it's fun. So, so it's funny because by the time I get done with my day, you know, I'm tired. I go, you know, hang out with my son, eat dinner, that sort of stuff. I have actually never been in a gig event with other Americans. I'm always <laughs> on there with Europe because it's like I jump on like right now and for the next yeah. you know hour or so. Um, it would be interesting if I came back and actually saw what the um, you know the European, I mean, the American side of this. Um, it, it it's. It gets loose. <laughs> Everybody's been drinking a little more. I want, before we go though, and so if anybody else has got a, a question or a comment or, you know, missed how guy used to do porn, the, um, the <laughs> don't, please don't take that out of context, folks. Go back and watch the start of this. There's your quote. Could somebody like snap that or whatever you do on <laughs> Twitch? And, um, the, there are other things that you all do on the Discord server that need to be called out. Um, Wednesday night, Rob does the, you know, I've started tuning into this because oh, it's, cool. it's awesome. And because I get to, you know, now we're doing some scouting for publishers. So I let Rob do some of my work for me. And then, yeah. Yeah. but you know, you have him, he sits down and he goes through, you know, new and interesting indie games that you may not have known about. You may not have seen. It's awesome. So what are some of the other things that are happening on the server other than the friday friday night hangouts yeah that's fascinating isn't it like uh yeah i know you've got the the your active discord as well discord is a fascinating platform it's it's i think it's a bit too the barrier of entry is a bit tough for folks that aren't used to using discord but i'd say about half the people that are registered on the gig are in the discord and we just we experiment with stuff rob does every wednesday night he does like an indie discovery night where he, you know he's really on it in terms of like what indie games are coming out and what's happening so he just goes through things and people chat about it. a lot of the time the devs of those games are actually in there as well and they yeah. talk about them too um and the rest of it is just trying to find other kind of social 
uh, things that where people can connect. I think uh, you know there's a narrative uh, writers gathering that Manny is actually doing. I think next week there's a marketing folks venting session. You know, like come and complain about some of your most frustrating you know marketing experiences. And and uh, then there's just a bunch of other things like you know if you're trying to connect with someone at at you know who's the PR person at at Microsoft in the uk then ask in here and you might be able to get connected like just helping people in the in-between uh kind of connect and stay social throughout the week but i honestly i don't know if it all works man like it seems to be good and people like it uh for the moment you know we'll keep doing it but i, I i'm kind of desperate for other people to look at it and come to me and be like why don't you do this to which my answer is can you do that? <laughs> All right, so that's exactly it. And, and somebody commented a minute ago when I said, you know, that I had been doing their shows, you know, nearly so. Let me be clear. Me to match always powers our, our stuff. But, you know. Yeah. The, oh, Fedora and the crew, crew, Romy and the crew, great. I love them. The, the promotion and the organization. Yeah, a lot of that is me. Is me. And, and I have the very same thing. So we've started on our server. Kimberly Rodados does uh, every Thursday. She does pitch deck, live pitch deck reviews. See that, I yeah, would yeah. love to have more stuff like that but you're right on people are like let's do this i'm like i'm already like that is an awesome idea do it that's what kimberly did she's like i want to do this and i'm like here you go there i think that's awesome and, and you know she has folks in there and, and gives feedback and you know these things we we've had the age of discord 1.0 which is basically pretty irc for those of us who are old enough to know what that is <laughs> yeah but there's so much more that we could do with these communities. It's, it's just a bandwidth issue usually for people like me and you. It's it's the bandwidth issue, but also it's it's the saturation issue. Like, you know, I, I think it's I, I think about gig a lot, you know, like I'm like, oh, we got these cool events every week. But you know what? For most people, man, they're like, okay, there's an indie discovery night. You know what? I'm I'm done. I'm just I'm gonna eat dinner. Like, oh, that happened. Oh, I forgot about that. Like, I just think the bandwidth of so many people is so stretched that to try and uh, uh, push, you know, uh, regular pieces of content, even though we think and we know it's good stuff, or the people running them is good, I, I, I think that the appetite there for for some of these things is not always that. That said, like you know, we we had a, a marketing just general catch up, so that we're like, hey, let's do a marketing night like it's 7 p.m. in Thursday. Come in, into the gig Discord and let's have a chat about things. And there was like. There was, there was like 60, 70 people that joined. We're like, Jesus, that 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 was. <laughs> but it, but it's looking at that and going, oh, okay, well that's that's needed then. Like it is. You obviously yes, want exactly. to talk about that. So, uh, you know, having the ability to play around with that and see what does or doesn't work, uh, I think is is key. And not not getting as organizers, I'm sure you can appreciate this. Not getting down when you do something that you think is cool, but not many people respond to. And and realizing that, yeah, but the, the small amount of people that did respond to that, I guarantee this was something valuable and worthwhile to them. Goes back to your student event and things of like this, man. You do this big event and then like, did it work? You don't know. But then you hear six people got jobs out of it. And that actually does make it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. So uh, once again, the website that I posted a little while ago, uh, which is like scroll through God knows how many you know conversations now. And uh, somebody did clip that for me. So you're oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. 
Um, sometime in the future, guys can get turned down for a job because they're like on Twitter. It's like, what do you mean you were in porn? Look, look, <laughs> there, there are plenty more dodgy things of me on the internet that could that could preclude me from working at a whole <laughs> many of places. So I'm I'm not worried about that one. There is bigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to to post this one more time to chat in case you missed it. It is games.industrygathering.com. So that's where you go. Yes, you do have to apply. We are gatekeeping white dudes, basically. <laughs> um, and yet this is fun. This is I love your community because your community. Oh, I'm the, the one thing I was going to part with. So, you know, you're, you're talking about how people's bandwidth and they get to the end of the day and it's like here's this event happened i just don't have the energy and it, rob manual if you're listening i'm calling you out on this one of the reasons i enjoy hanging out on a wednesday night and watching this is because rob has the most calming demeanor and voice <laughs> and it's like no matter how stressed i am it's like okay here's what we're gonna do i love what they've done here he's just very calm and i'm like ah this is so one night I want to get Rob pissed off just to see what that sounds like. Um, uh, you, you got it. Look, R Rob and Mike Williams is one of the regular gig hosts. They have the radio voices. It's, yes. It's, it's beautiful. So yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, Hey Nika, I'm glad you're here. So before we leave, I need you to prove to the people who are watching, this does no good for the people who are listening, that that is not a green screen behind you. Oh. <laughs> uh yeah what you did earlier yeah you just sure. I before we got started i was like is that a green screen and he just like reaches back there and grabs something of whiskey and i'm like well okay it's not no but, man um, we, we were joking before like I, I feel like between i used to own and run a bunch of video game bars and then spend most of the time at these gaming events in bars i think my life has <laughs> rolled around bars quite a bit mind you hey you don't need to drink in the gig it's not not necessarily a drinking thing there's no pressure yep. i want to make that clear but like uh I've spent way too many years in bars. <laughs> hey, let's face it, man. Those of us who were doing this in the 90s and early 2000s, our entire T-shirt collection was nothing but alcohol and video games. That's yeah, just... yeah, you know, it's it's true. It it's is true. It's sad but true. All right, I'll, you go start a gig. I've got to. I've got our work a little bit. I'm going to jump over there anyway. Let's All see. Good. Is there somebody that we can raid? I always forget to raid people now that oh, we are. Okay, right, right. Uh, let's see what. Here's the other thing. Dan's the one that knows how to do. do you know, knows how to do this. So, aha, raid channel. What do we got? Ah. Uh, well, hey, by the way, Joe, I just want to say, like, thanks for having me on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me oh, to chat. This is fun. I love what you've been doing with Indie Game Business. I think it's awesome. And I'm, um, you know, keen to keep promoting and letting, uh, you know, gig folks know about it. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks a lot. I'm not staring up in space. I'm looking for the uh, – pop me a – Toadhouse, pop me a link. I'll make sure I get that right. Um <laughs> Yes. Okay. All right. We are going to raid Mormento. She is <laughs> apparently one of the, the giggers. All right. And she's got 181. She needs to raid me. That's the. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much, Guy, for coming on. We love what you're doing. We're going to continue working with you. Keep up the fighting the good fight. And for everybody else, we'll see you next Friday. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.